0: Mark chapter 7 verses 24 to 37. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Then uh, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Haley. I think she did a good job with that passage. I've seen a number of people not pre-read that passage because they thought it was Mark in the past and then get to Epaphatha and completely fumble it. It's a great job. Um, It's so great for us to be here tonight to think about the ministry of compassion and to now delve into God's word together. Um, I thought it'd be really important that we spent a decent amount of time, and that Greg had a decent amount of time to talk about the Ministry of Compassion, a ministry that, that me and Danny have been really supportive of as well, and I commend to you. Um, and so I decided that, like, if we were gonna have a lot of time on that, that you guys were gonna, I was gonna do you guys a favor. I know, I know that I drag on, I know that I do very long sermons sometimes, uh, so I'm gonna keep, keep it tight today. That was a joke, it's fine. We're allowed to laugh in church, it's fine. Um, But I am going to go a little bit shorter today. Um, However, this is a passage that requires and deserves a fairly decent explanation. So it is really important that we engage with what it says today, because I think if you weren't kind of originally confronted by the way Jesus responds to that woman, then you maybe weren't looking at it super closely. Um, It's one of the most significant moments, I think, in the book of Mark. And it should help us as we continue to think about how we respond to Jesus. Uh, Last week, we heard from Jesus that our uncleanliness comes from the inside, that our intent, that our motivation behind what we do is much more important than the acts that happen themselves. Uh, If you haven't heard it, I recommend going back because it does give us some good context for this week. Uh, So go back, listen to last week's sermon on the podcast. Um, Today, we're going to get more teaching from Mark about Jesus and significantly examples of the response that he calls from us. Uh, How about I start by praying? Please bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you have to say to us in your word and that your word is good. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would help us to have hearts of humility, that we would seek to approach uh, Jesus with humility in our hearts and, and seek to know him more and to listen to him well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you've had sort of people in your life who you've kind of thought that you've known and then suddenly kind of something's happened. You're like, wow, I'm not sure I really understood that person super well at all. Uh, My favorite teacher was my year five teacher. His name was Mr. Cox. uh, And he was someone who was really engaging, really wonderful, really kind, really lovely. Um, But I didn't know him super well when when I first had him uh, and thought, well, this is just a super jovial, jolly guy who can kind of let me get away with whatever I want uh, until the first time that I did something wrong. And his kind of calm, plain demeanor just suddenly became silent and thunderous and powerful. Uh, It was a sudden moment where I kind of had to realign how I understood him, that actually he wasn't a pushover, uh, and I needed to understand that. Um, But sometimes as well, we have people that we think are great, uh, and then suddenly they'll do something, we'll think, oh, maybe they're not as good as we thought, Uh, This is a really classic technique in movies, right, where characters that appear to be good all along end up being the bad guy in the end. Uh, Classic ones are guys like Harvey Dent in The Last Night*, kind of the good guy throughout the whole movie, then changes. Anakin Skywalker, Walter White, and for the parents in the room, Prince Hans from Frozen. Man, we loved him so much. Why'd it have to happen? Well, we have a fun passage for the preacher today. I'm sure a few of you were made uncomfortable by it. Uh, I wasn't joking last week when I said that Jesus is a provocative guy. But just in case it didn't grate you enough the first time, keep those Bibles open and look down at verse 24 with me. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. Here he encountered a uh, he encountered the house and did not want anyone to know it yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Did Jesus just? Yeah, he did. I have, in fact, spent two months of my life convincing you of who Jesus is, and then this happens, right? He calls a Gentile woman a dog. So what's going on here? Well, context will help us out a little bit. Uh, This is the only case in the Gospels that we have Jesus leaving his country. Uh, So he's gone to the city of Tyre, which is in modern-day Lebanon, And so now he is very much much amongst the Gentiles. He's around people who are not Jews, people who are not God's chosen people, and people who in many respects would have actually expected to have a bit of a rough relationship with Jesus. Uh, Certainly this woman would not have been expecting to have a friendly conversation with him, uh, who to her was a senior Jewish teacher. Uh, There's a lot of resentment and anger between these two people groups. Uh, Gentiles were not allowed to enter the inner parts of the temple in Jerusalem, and the teachers of the law had taken that to mean that Gentiles are unclean by their very nature. And so in a sense, to the Jewish reader, this interaction makes a lot of sense. Now, behaving as the Jewish teachers were expecting him to is not something that we've come to expect from Jesus. So maybe that should trigger us to think that there is something else going on here. The other important context is that Jesus in the previous section of this chapter that I referred to before, has just spent some time undermining the concept of unique Jewish identity by casting aside the rules of ceremonial washing and reshaping the way that we understand cleanliness in his teaching and by declaring all foods clean. Now this interaction comes immediately after that in the Gospel of Mark. Mark's placed it straight afterwards, even though there was a bit of time between those two things happening. In the context of the time, children is referring to the Jews, the children of Israel, and a dog at the time is next down in the pecking order, as they think about kind of society, adults, children, dogs. Now Jesus has been talking to the children of Israel in the first part of chapter seven, and now he's engaging with someone from next down in the pecking order. Jesus provokes her with his response, which is actually when understood, is it right for my message to go to the Gentiles before the people of Israel have had it? And her response is the part of the passage that will change everything for us today. Uh, I don't know if you're any good at conflict resolution. Uh, I find that usually when people provoke us, we're quite quickly to escalate things. Uh, I think road rage, classic example of this, right? Someone cuts you off, immediate rage. Uh, for me, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit obsessed with kind of politeness. Maybe that's an English thing. Um, cutting in line drives me insane. Um, but if people don't say thank you, right? People don't wave after I let them in. I'm like, just immediately fuming. I feel entitled to their thanks, Uh, right? We we feel entitled about lots of things, I think. Uh, Have you seen videos of people flipping out at wait staff who haven't kind of done what they wanted to because they're entitled because they spent their money? Uh, Another case for me was I, uh, I, I, well, I'm very well trained by uh, Danny, but you know those coffee cards where you you kind of get them stamped as you go? Um, I had a completed coffee card, and I lost it, and... I tried to explain that to the server and they just were like, nah, man, you could, you could just be lying about that. I was so upset, I was so angry. I felt so entitled about what was going on here. And the entitlement that we have seen from the children of Israel is part of what Jesus is playing on here. Let's get into verse 28. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, For such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. Now there's a lot going on here culturally, but we'll try and walk through it. Um, This isn't the first time that a woman has fallen to her knees before Jesus in Mark's gospel. Remember the woman who had been bleeding. But her response to Jesus is profound. See, she doesn't respond to him with an entitlement. She doesn't respond to him with kind of a, don't you see what's going on with my daughter? You have the ability to heal, you should do it. She doesn't presume to come to the table. Instead, she responds with deep humility. She understands the cultural barriers and so responds in those terms, but is able to break through them. And this is exactly what Jesus wanted her to do. And he responds with sympathy and salvation because she is completely right. It should be open to her. The children have already had their opportunity, as we've seen in Mark, and they blew it. The children of Israel in the previous section were entitled. We do this, so we deserve this. The woman comes knowing that she is not entitled culturally, but desires to be let in. What Mark is showing us here, what Jesus is showing us, is that the nature of the religion of the time is changing and it is being changed by Jesus. Those who are not the children are now being given access to the table. They are able to eat the spiritual food and come before Jesus for salvation and he is using another suffering woman, only the second in the book, to show us the true response to Jesus, humility and faith because the fact is is that no one is deserving of what Jesus has to offer. None of us can presume to come to the table, and that's demonstrated by Jesus' response to this woman with a salvation that she does not deserve, contrasted against the assumption of the children of Israel who have lost their way. Last week, Jesus declared that evil comes from within, that it's only through the cleaning of our hearts that we can be saved, And so the children can no longer claim to be those who are clean. No one is clean unless they take on the same posture as this woman, recognizing that on our own we cannot be good enough to just come and take a seat at the table, but that we need to come to Jesus to ask him to help us, to look upon us with the same sympathy and grace. And this passage shows us that he will do that. You see, this is a passage about the openness of the table, the inclusion of this woman, and Jesus breaking the paradigms, to break the expectations of those who consider themselves to be the children, as he opens up access to all people to share in the transforming power of the kingdom that he's bringing about. And then chapter seven finishes with a story that kind of reinforces the sympathetic loving nature of Jesus and also comes with another command for us. Look at verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. Then some pe- there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, ephatra which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear, and the mute speak. This man is deaf and barely able to talk. Jesus, out of care for the man, you notice how he takes him aside, right? This this man's deaf, he can't speak. He's surrounded by people that he can't hear. Jesus takes him aside and then does something interesting. Do you think Jesus needed to touch the man to heal him? I mean, he just healed a girl while not even being present with her. So why does he do it? Well, first, because I think there's something being emphasized in this miracle. And also because Jesus has emotional intelligence. He knows the man can't hear him. And so he carries out the miracle. And so as he carries out the miracle, he is helping the man understand what he's doing, right? He's touching his ears. He's touching his tongue. He's showing him. What he's doing and how he's healing him. He's taking him on the journey with him. But the emphasis is on the opening of the man's ears. And at the end of a section all about the true nature of salvation, right? Mark 7 has been all about the true nature of salvation. Mark gives us this story. A story that fulfills the prophet Isaiah, who talks about the deaf being made to hear in the new creation kingdom. And so it's a sign of that coming about now with Jesus. But importantly, the symbolism that is created is meant to be a challenge for us. Uh, I don't know how good a listener you are. Uh, I find that in a lot of situations, someone will start telling me something that I think I already know about. And you know when you kind of you're trying to not be rude, but you're trying to get them to kind of speed up to get to the end of the conversation because you kind of want to move on. You're like, I already know what that is. Uh, had a, we had a situation with this when we were on holiday in Portugal. Um, we, were, we just got into Porto, long day of traveling. We flew with Ryanair, if you know anything about Ryanair. It's, it's a long day. And we get into the apartment, and the woman's telling us about checkout. And I'm like, man, I've, I've been 100 BNBs before, like Airbnbs. Just let's get through this. We're going to be fine. Uh, didn't listen to her acted like I was listening to her, didn't listen to her, comes to checkout. Uh, We think, as with all other Airbnbs that we kind of been to around Europe, shut the keys on the dining room table, walk out the door, no worries. Uh, We get down to the bottom of the staircase. Turns out you needed the key to open the door to exit the actual building itself. Uh, We now could no longer get back into the apartment to get that key. And so we were stuck in the hallway. Uh, It was about 6.30 in the morning. Our train was leaving to take us to Lisbon very soon, uh, and we were completely keyless. Uh, In the end, I went and knocked on one of the other apartments, uh, and a very upset and actually quite scary looking man um, came to the door. I explained to him the situation, and he kind of came and grumpily let us out. And then we missed our train and had to spend another 70 euros to book onto another one listening it's important right and often we don't think what we're hearing is going to be important but we'll rush through it and we can be like this with the gospels right lots of us have been to sunday school maybe growing up maybe went to youth group maybe just been around church for a while and so when we read the gospels we think oh yeah i know this thing man i know this healing i know this i've I've heard this all before Um, but are your ears actually open are you actually listening i mean look at the different people that we've come across in mark but especially from this passage and in the passage before it of Mark 7. Who is actually listening to him? This is important teaching that we see coming. Are your ears open? Will you respond to him? Will it change your actions? Listening in the Bible, it's never just about hearing. It also includes comprehending, understanding and responding. Are your ears closed to Jesus because you think you have it all figured out? Either that you don't need him or that you think you kind of already know what you need to already about him because you've been coming to church most of your life. But when we read the Gospels closely, we find there are things that we learn for the first time each time we read it. Things that surprise us but will help us to deepen our understanding of our faith. So will you listen Will you reflect on all we have heard from Jesus so far? And will you respond with the humility of the woman, knowing that we don't deserve to be at the table, that the, very fact, that the very fact that we know it is what makes us welcome and can sit there and be part of the kingdom that Jesus is bringing about for all those who will listen and respond to his teaching? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you that Jesus is a king who in fact breaks the barriers that were set culturally for him, who came to seek and save the lost, whether they're Jewish or Syrophoenician or Australian. We pray, Lord, that you would put upon our hearts a humility that brings glory to you, that you would give us a seat at the table because we know we don't deserve one. And Father, I pray as we continue to read your word, that you give us ears that hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.